You're listening to a Shockcast original. Shock. Hello, everyone. This is Jonathan, the winner of the Apprentice Asia, and I'm a big enthusiast of career management. Hi, everyone. This is Jed. I am an architect and an entrepreneur. And Jed happens to be an up-and-coming furniture designer. Jonathan is, as you know, a motivational speaker and an author of best-selling books. And ladies and gentlemen, Jed happens to be my beloved brother. And Jonathan is my brother. Yay! <laughs> Isn't he excited for this? Welcome to the first ever episode of our podcast series, From Grit to Great. Welcome, everyone, and thanks for listening. I am so excited. I'm excited. So before we start, I have to be very transparent with one thing. What is that? You were not part of the plan. Oh, really? <laughs> Which means um, I was planning to do this podcast as a solo project. And then I thought maybe I should get a podcast host. And then I shortlisted who those people are. And then I said, wait a minute, my brother is the best person to do this. Ooh. And why is that? A lot of things. Um, you're more well-traveled than I am. You've worked right after university in cities like mm -hmm. Singapore and Tokyo. And for those reasons, I think you have so much experience to put mm -hmm. and contribute in this podcast. Since this podcast is an intersection of so many things that involves millennials. It's an intersection of travel, lifestyle, business, careers, motivation, anything under the sun that inspires us and empowers us to be better in our lives. Right. Thanks for that, Kuya. Oh, by the way, Kuya is this term of endearment for older brothers. And so... In the Philippines? In the Philippines. So I usually call him that, but because of this podcast, I'll probably just call him John, as you might be familiar with I think it's going to be awkward if you call me Kuya. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, what he said about the podcast, that's basically what we are going to do every week. Plus, we are going to get in special guests from time to time, and our guests will be more than happy to share more advice and expertise about empowering millennials. Well, as you may know, Jed, it's a, a dream come true. We've been planning to do this since the pandemic started. So let's get to business. What is the question for today's right. podcast? Okay. The topic for this pilot episode is something that will resonate to many millennials at the moment, and it's about what we miss at work pre-pandemic. Mm, I have I have such a long list for that. I do have But we well. have limited time, so we have to fine-tune right. this. Okay, let's talk about three things that we miss the most. Okay, let's get down to business. I'll go first. Human personal interactions. Mm, that would be at the top of my list. As yeah, well. so, you know, as extroverts, I miss chit-chats at the breakfast pantry. Mm. I miss nudging shoulders with your colleagues in the elevator with short talks about the weather. Or I mean, your favorite Netflix show that you just right, binged. Right, right. Yeah. And, you know, just passing by in the hallways and stumbling upon your colleagues for, that. for some short answers to your questions. I miss those things, like wind-down sessions on a Friday night. Mm. What about you? Same thing. So... Are you familiar with Gary Chapman's best-selling book, The Language of Love? Mm -hmm, I am. So he argues that when people express their love and care for others, they do it in many ways. Some people do it via words of affirmation. Some people do it via physical touch. Right. Some people do it via service or time. So I think there's an equivalent to that also when we interact with people at work. Okay. And for me, my language of love at work with my colleagues is physical touch. Mm. I need to feel your presence for me to understand what you're saying. 
for me to be able to appreciate what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And obviously with the pandemic and we're all working from home, that has been absent for more than a year now. So. Right, right. It's basically not being able to discuss things directly in the meeting room yeah. with your colleagues. Yeah, I, I want to see your body language. I want to see your eyes. I want to see your hands right, moving right, around. Right, right. I mean, I'm a motivational speaker. So in my case as well, I miss the stage. It's okay to feel, you know, people can type in the chat box on a Zoom session how they feel about my talk, but it's different when I get to see their body language as well. Okay, okay. But, you know, all these lack of personal connection and not being able to see each other face-to-face, -face, what do you think is the bigger cost to all these? I think, well, I think it's very straightforward. I think that lack of friction, that lack of interaction has been disabling so much creativity and innovation mm. to happen in the workplace. So I'm, I'm coming from this study from Microsoft, and they did a survey recently, 60,000 employees in the United States. And when they asked the employees what's the one thing that they feel challenged, it's the idea that they cannot interact with all of their colleagues outside their departments. Right, right. So for example, someone from marketing team, they only end up talking via chat, email, or video calling through their fellow marketing colleagues. Okay. But it would be great if they also get to talk to someone in the sales team, in the IT, engineering, and networking team. When you need to stay at home, those interactions don't happen anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, bumping into someone at the water cooler and say, what do you think of this idea? Right. And you know, sometimes I'm a believer, the best ideas don't happen in the meeting room. Some ideas happen at the lobby, correct? at the pantry, at the elevator. And again, because we're all working from home, we those interactions are absent. It's a beautiful happenstance that we are actually all mm, missing here. Yeah. So that really resonates to me in the field of architecture. So for example, if we have a problem of changing the design of the lobby in a skyscraper, we are in a meeting room with the clients, with the consultants, and we need to discuss the problem by looking at a sketch in front of us, commenting on that sketch, passing mm. it on one by one to Yeah, people. so like a sheet of paper or probably a big whiteboard. Right. Mm. But now you know what's happening is that since we're all in virtual mode, everyone's juggling with their gadgets. <laughs> so, so how does this work? So you probably are looking through one same Zoom screen share and yep. then or what people are so scribbling on it. Many things. It's like you're juggling WhatsApp, Google Jamboard, Zoom, and PDF expert in commenting all your drawings. It's, it's all a different gazillion gadgets. But Thank God I'm not an architect. For <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm thankful that all these developers and software makers were able to keep up with the demands. Yeah. You know, I can also, again, when I get Give some more examples on this. So I do a lot of motivational and training sessions right. for sales-driven industries, insurance companies, real estate companies. You know the number one complaint of their sales folks? What is they it? They don't get to maneuver their sales talk anymore. Mm. So prior to COVID-19, they can read the body language of the customer. Right. Prior to COVID-19, they can bring them, let's say, in a Starbucks or in a posh restaurant and use that as one of their tools to convince the customer, for mm. example. But hey, you're now in front of the camera and the only way for you to convince the customer is to share some words, share a brochure and that's it. Right. So, you know, that 
makes me wonder, how do you even close a deal? When you know, when you're pitching sales to a potential buyer. Mm. I mean, don't get me wrong. Of course, it's all about the content still. Yeah, of it's course. It's different when you have things like power dressing. Yeah, power dressing, putting on makeup, you yep. know, the gestures, how d- the body language. Those are really, really different. I noticed this, by the way, but there are still women who put on makeup <laughs> even if they do Zoom Which, sessions. You know, I think that it does make a good. difference. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course, you, you, need, you still need to prepare yourself and be presentable to people, mm. right? So it reminds me of the Japanese people as well when you're entering a board meeting you know everyone is bowing down and there's an aura that it creates in the entire boardroom but that is absent now because you just basically turn on and off your videos i'm asking this with pure innocence i'm Mm -hmm. just curious uh if we have any japanese listeners out there or anyone's working in japan how does this work now in the time of pandemic do you guys virtually bow or oh, is it replaced by something I don't else? No, that would be interesting. Yeah, it's interesting, and it's right? interesting. or maybe they would say something else because right. bowing is a sign of respect. Yep. it's also a sign of seniority. Yeah, right. So, so interesting. Let me just add one one last thing. You know, this is also a wonder for me. Do you think that handshakes is gonna like? go obsolete after the pandemic? Um, no, I think they're going to be back. For now, we use our elbows, but right. I think there's going to be, I mean, handshakes are very iconic. Yeah, I know. But, you know, because of the pandemic, nobody really wants to touch anybody else. Mm. So I, I miss that, actually. By the way, do you know why people started doing handshakes? Why is that? Make a guess. It's something to do with survival. I'm digressing now to a different topic, but I just want to raise this in this podcast. I don't know. Tell me. So in the olden times, everyone is a threat. To your survival. Mm-hmm. So when you're shaking hands, you're showing that you're empty-handed. Oh, okay. I don't have any weapons with me, so I want to show that to you. So let's shake hands. Ah, that makes sense. Interesting, right? So that makes sense. Well, that makes relevance now because it's like I don't have COVID, and so I'm not shaking. My- <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, John, I mean, with all the loss of physical touch, physical interaction, person-to-person interactions, what do you think is the forecast moving forward? I, I don't want to be the gloomy, pessimistic guy, but I think it's going to usher further lesser interaction amongst all of us. And Ooh. I'm saying this in, in some good light. Well, number one, remember prior to COVID-19, so many companies have been experimenting already a four-day or a three-day work week, uh-huh, uh-huh. right? Because we do acknowledge that people don't need to be in the office for five days a week. Some things can be done at home. And finally, the COVID-19, the pandemic, became a proof of concept for that. See? People thought that we're going to be unproductive, but no, we still got things done. So now that we have proven that in almost more than a year, I think companies will finally decide Mm -hmm. even after COVID-19, yes, we're going to give our employees four days of work week and then one day or two days, Mm -hmm. that can be your off time or as long as you get your things done at home. Right, but I'm going to take the opposition route because Uh I feel like I still want to go back to the five five day. days. Of course, why? I mean, I guess it all depends on the industry. Like in my in the industry of architecture and creative industry, you have to meet people. You need to resolve issues immediately with people surrounding you. So maybe it depends on the industry. Yeah, case in point in the U.S. as well. You know, J.P. Morgan Chase. A lot of financial companies in the U.S. They're recalling back their workers in the office because how else could you trade on the trading yeah the trading floor, floor is a different ballgame. So yeah. That's what I'm saying. You know, we are now at a tipping point where for the last 18 months, all the companies have already figured out what would work best for their work, for the company and for their employees. And I hope that we just put that in mind moving forward. 
after the you pandemic. Know, on my side of the world, since more companies have now committed that, no, nope, we're going to have three days or four mm-hmm. days a week. I think more sophisticated technology will come into light. And that, that's one thing that we've realized time of pandemic. So there's this app. I, I want to insert this because I'm so fond of this. Are you familiar with GatherTown? No. So what it's this website and mobile app wherein it makes the virtual interactions more human by creating avatars of each one of you. Ah, yes. So let's say, for example, there's five of you and it's going to create like, you know how it looks like in the 1990s family computer mm-hmm, Game Boy mm-hmm, style? Mm-hmm where your avatars move from, it's a two-dimension left and right, up and down. So it creates like an office space and then you can move around the office. And if you want to talk to someone, you have to move your avatar to their avatar so you can chat. It has meeting rooms, it has cafeteria. So essentially the idea is if you want to make sure that your people are online working, they have to log online and gather down is the place to do right. that. So You know, I love all these apps that are trying to replicate the physical experience to a virtual experience. Mm. It's something new, you know, and it's something that we are And it's also at. not something new in a sense because they've been like part of the 1990s sure. way of doing sure. games, but they're now applicable in the corporate right, world. Right, right, right. All right, the second thing that we most miss prior to COVID-19. Mm-hmm. What else? But business travels. Hello. <laughs> Who doesn't miss business travels? Right. What do you miss the most particularly about it? On a superficial level, I miss my per dimes, those fancy meals, those posh hotels, mm-hmm. um, being able to add up to my airline mileage. Right. Because come on, when you're young, like when you're in 20s, you can't afford these things. Only a business, cla- a business class flight, which I'm sure you're also missing. Right. You can only afford this if your company spends for it. Oh, yeah. I mean, my first business class flight was because of my company. Really. Yeah. And you also get to have your visa granted easily yes. because you're asking to enter a first world country. Right. I'm going to shout out this part because, you know, from <laughs> someone who lives in a developing world where we have to beg to enter Europe through a visa or United States through a visa, yeah. they usually get rejected if your reasons are personal. And, and for tourism purposes. Right? For tourism purposes. But when you use a business reason, 100% guaranteed, guaranteed by the company, yeah. you likely have a higher chance. Yep. So. Yeah, those parts, I, I, I really miss them. Yeah. You know, on a personal growth, the other thing that I miss out, you know, when you visit a country, I look forward to those moments where in the host. So let's say, for example, I'm visiting a client mm-hmm. or I'm visiting the franchise of another country. They ask me to join them for dinner mm-hmm. or for lunch, and you get a glimpse of their life. Yeah, the, the difference in cultures. The difference in cultures. That becomes part of your personal growth, realizing that your way isn't the only way. One example. So 2016, I went to this conference for a client in Buenos Aires in Argentina. And one of the most interesting part, they invited me for a dinner at 9 o'clock in the evening. Mm-hmm. Nine o'clock in the evening. So I'm like, I had to reply to them and say, is this true? And they said, yeah, it's at 9 p.m. So I had to eat something at seven or eight because they happen to eat so late in their part of the world. You know, it might sound mundane, but those things, you don't don't forget them. Yeah, I mean, it basically tells you the world is your classroom. Mm. How about you? What do you miss with traveling? Well, you know, speaking of learning, because part of business travel is really learning, right? It's the business trainings, the mm, conferences, the conferences, the trade fairs. Ugh. 
those are the things that I really miss, yeah. especially in architecture, where we go to different countries to see the new technologies and innovations in construction building. So those things that are missed. And, you know, it's so different when you're in an auditorium and you see this world-renowned architecture speaking right in front of you, giving all these words of wisdom and inspiration. And you do selfies with them. Oh, yes, afterwards. And when everyone raises their hands during the Q&A session and, you know, right next to you are counterparts from different parts of the world and you share all these knowledge all together these are all like person enriching moments and I agree and they're irreplaceable I mean virtual conferences have multiplied yeah. you know, have mushrooned since the pandemic started yep. but it's still different it's when still you get not to the see same. you know what I also miss I miss the lanyards the IDs the souvenir ah, kits right, I right, collect right. Do, you, do you collect them no I don't I, what? such a I loser don't. so I, I, I have so in my apartment, I have all the lanyards that I've collected since 2013, just so I can look back and say, right. I went to this city, I went to this country, I went mm. to this conference. I miss the night outs on a Friday night uh, yeah. with your conference buddies, I mean, making some friends. Yep. So John, um, amidst all these lack of flights for business conferences, what do you think is the foresight moving forward? I think it's still going to be a gloomy picture. We've finally proven that we don't need to fly for 16 hours just to make a decision with a colleague in another part of the world. So unfortunately, I do think this means lesser business flights for many of us in a post-pandemic world. I was scrolling Facebook and I read that there's a Bloomberg survey saying that 45 large companies, global companies, are spending less on post-pandemic travel. And it seems like there's 20 to 40%, I think, of reduction in their spending. And that's quite a lot. I think that just validates that it might be just bye-bye business class flights, more economy or premium economy seats instead. Uh, I mean, it seems so. There's actually a trend in business class flights being reduced by airlines at the moment. And they're giving more space to premium economy. So there's now a compromise of luxury and economy. And in the era of pandemic where companies are tightening their fists, I guess it makes sense. So if I were a Generation Z, I think I should lesser my, lessen my expectations for business flights. I mean, don't get me wrong, guys. I'm saying this with schadenfreude because I'm in my late 30s. I'm past beyond that stage. I'm happy that I was able to be flown by my company to all these trips. But if you're entering the workforce soon... It might be a permanent thing. Expect lesser business flights then. All right, we're down to the last part. What's the third thing that you miss the most prior to COVID-19 at work? I miss the clear boundary between what is work and what is life after work. So let me explain. In terms of the physical boundary level, during the pandemic, we were all forced to create work from home setups in our already cramped spaces. So now we are being faced with moving around our tiny houses and spaces with work from home setup and with living room and kitchen. And so it becomes a bit very tight. And mind you, we're talking about Asian households here where likely their space is not so generous and you're working and you're beside the kitchen, your mom's washing the dishes. and Right, right. And, you know, who wants to wake up in the morning with their work from home set up right in front of their eyes? You know, their laptops are open. Nobody wants that. Uh, I'm going to give you a tip, Jed. So you know what I do? After I finish my work, when I shut down my laptop, I don't place it in front of me or beside my bed. I place it somewhere else. And also, if you can, if you have a good place to live in, try not to work in your bedroom because your body's going to associate the stress and anxiety in the location where you've been doing it. 
So that matters a lot. Right. So now I think we're all adapting to this work from home setup, but I still wish that we could all go back to where it was before, where, you know, there's a workplace. And when you come home, everything is void, devoid of, you know, work. And it's just all serene and calm at home. There, so there's this psychological study that shows that routine is an important part of our lives. It makes us feel like we're more human. Commute from work and back to your home is not just physical transition. It's also a psychological transition. So when you create that 30-minute or one-hour ride back home, you feel like, all right, I'm finally transitioning from stress into a sanctuary, which is my bedroom, my kids, my family. And now that's taken away from us. I'm going to add one more boundary here, the boundary of privacy. So prior to COVID-19, we all had the choice if we didn't want to share information about our family, about how our houses look. And now we're forced to do that because when you turn on your Zoom for a video conference, unless you put a virtual background, and if you don't have an Instagrammable wall, whatever is it in your house can be seen by your colleagues. If you have dogs barking, children crying, they're all going to be heard as well by your colleagues, right? So I want to highlight, Judd, by the way, are you familiar with the app called Crisp? What is that? So I am in love with Crisp. It's a downloadable app that you can put into your laptops and phone. It takes away the background noise. So children uh, bark, uh, sorry, children crying, <laughs> dogs barking, uh, they, it takes that away. Another one, and this only happened after when the pandemic started, Snapchat has this filter that you can use for your Zoom calls. So let's say you're not in a proper makeup or you woke up with a really bad skin, you can use those filters as well. That's part of the privacy I was talking about because women can take time to put on their makeup before they go to work. Now, you wake up, you rinse your face, and you turn on the video camera as well. That privacy is taken away from many of us. You know, there's also another boundary that I want to talk about, which is the boundary of time. You know, it's ironic that with the pandemic, we thought that we could all spend more time with family members at home. But rather, what's ironic is that people are spending a lot of time in virtual meetings. Um, I'm going to call out managers out there who are irresponsible to ask their people to attend meetings even after dinner time or even uh, Saturday or Sunday afternoons, for example. Have you experienced those folks? Yeah, I mean, you know, they're also reporting that their work is actually extended two hours beyond their working hours. And I think I've read that study. There's so many studies that show that people have been averagely working beyond two hours compared to their previous hours when we were in the pre-COVID-19 era. Right. So what do you think, John, is going to be the foresight moving forward with all these blurred lines of boundaries? So this is where I'm going to be positive. I think there's optimism here. I think we've finally seen some companies intervening because they've realized that the work-slash-life balances have been blurred. So there are companies like Coca-Cola, for example. Coca-Cola has this policy called Hyper Wednesdays when their employees cannot set up meetings on that day so that their people can focus at work. Another company, there's uh, Schindler. Are you familiar with Schindler? Uh, yeah, of course. They're doing elevators. So Schindler and Toyota has also this policy. You cannot set meetings between 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. because most of the time, if you set it at 11.30 or 11, it spills over to lunchtime and people's lunchtime are taken away from them. I want to highlight this especially for families and for parents. I think we have lots of millennial parents listening out there. I'm sure that lunchtime is no longer lunchtime. It's also 
errands time. It's when you have to take good care of your kids, set up their online schooling. These things cannot be taken away from them. You know, that reminds me, I'm actually guilty of those experiences of managers where they call meetings all over um, all over the place. I haven't seen you yet, Jed, work with your colleagues, but I, I have a feeling you're a bad boss. Sorry. No, no, I am not. But I'm guilty of messaging my employees beyond 9 p.m., really. So here's my tip, and maybe this can work for you. What I do, because I, I get your point. The reason why I would send something in the late hours of the evening is because I might forget it. Yes? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So if I want to send something to them, I would send it instead via email so that I still get to document it, but I schedule it. Or by the way, sorry, I schedule the email instead. You know those schedulers on Gmail were in, you can decide to choose to send it on 8 a.m. or 9 p.m. Right, right. But the reason why I actually send it at 9 p.m. is because I don't like to even use emails. So, you know, I'm, that brings to mind, what if WhatsApp, for example, all these text messaging apps, why don't they create emails with them? I think that's going to be a very good innovation. Or can I make it more direct? What if we can schedule messages on WhatsApp? Right. That would be great, right? So I'm thinking of an idea at 8 o'clock p.m., but I don't want to bother my people because it's going to stress them out. So I'm going to schedule that WhatsApp message on at 8 a.m. the next day, right? That would be great. Right. All right. Jed, we need to wrap this up. So let's start with you. So, you know, this pandemic is synonymous to devastations to many people. Lives and jobs have been lost. Personal plans have been averted. Businesses have closed down. But there's these stories of hope and change that I wish that could resonate to many of us. Like for my case, for example, I have been working in Singapore and Tokyo, and I came back to Manila during the pandemic unemployed. And it was this pandemic that actually brought a life-changing moment for me where I have to really pursue my dreams of building my own company. So it's a character-building moment that this pandemic has given me. And I wish that this could resonate to many, these stories of hope and change. I love that story, Jeff, because I remember a few years ago, you've always wanted to create your own furniture company, but now the pandemic has pushed you to finally build one. This for me is the same story that I'd like to share. I think we know from history of mankind that during the hardest moments were also the same moments when we were more innovative. The time of the Cold War was the time when man was able to penetrate space. And I think the time of the pandemic was also an era when we have discovered so many things. We were able to create a vaccine thanks to mRNA technology, and that's the same technology that we can use in the future to combat AIDS or even cancer. So there is a silver lining. It's just sad that it took a pandemic for us to realize these things. It's sad that companies have been pushing to make people work from home, but it took a pandemic for us to finally prove that we don't lose productivity even if we're working from home. So yeah. Great discussion. Jed, thank you for giving me such a delightful pilot episode. Yeah, thank you so much. And I hope all our listeners would be tuning in for the next few episodes with us. Of course, we need to thank our listeners. That's you, Gladiators and Suits. Thank you for being part of and for listening to the first ever episode of From Grit to Great podcast. Keep on moving. Keep on hustling. Keep on dreaming. We'll see you soon.